it's humbling because people can learn so much about God and so much from your witness through your pain. Sometimes God wants to be the champion in your situation. And that can be embarrassing because people can see your weakness. And that's not my plan. I just wanted to be the winning quarterback (laughs) of Rhino Hyde. Welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal, to inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. Today, I welcome Sarah Gavallion, CEO and co-founder of Rhino Hyde Productions, an international award-winning producer and speaker whose mission in life is to encourage and uplift others, which she does through an upbeat attitude, industry experience, and vulnerability. She has extensive experience in mainstream media, including ABC, NPR, and the WB. With a hard-to-produce global not-for-profit media, Sarah went to work for Lutheran Hour Ministries, an international media outreach organization. After nine years, God intervened and invited her to a new season. So in 2014, Sarah and her brother, Jordan Reinwald, a member of the Screen Actors Guild, created Rhino Hyde Productions, an international award-winning full-service creative agency based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Rhino Hyde Productions supports leaders in advancing and achieving their vision by connecting people, generating strategies, and producing media. They work with international causes such as Embrace a Village, which helps those affected by leprosy in India, and with Forbes Top Fortune 250 corporations. Most importantly, Sarah's Saved by Jesus, married to Justin, and mom of two awesome kids, Zane and Maddie. Sarah, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Tina. It's a joy to be with you. So as we get started, I wonder if you would just share your faith background growing up. Yeah, so I grew up with two parents who both got saved in kind of the Jesus hippie movement. (laughs) They met at Campus Crusade in college. There was a lot of cool things going on back in those early 70s, and God was just doing something amazing. There's a lot of revival going on, and so my parents met in the context of that at Mizzou. They're both uh, coaches and athletes. My mom was a gymnast, and my dad was um, a wrestler. And so they got married and um, started out as teachers, but, you know, they really just brought this really strong faith into our family. They were both very, and they both still are very outreach oriented. They were youth leaders as they were teaching high school and all these fun kinds of things. And so my brother and I, Jordan and I were raised in this context of faith, you know, a little, a little extreme at moments with, you know, don't listen to that. Don't do this. Don't watch that. Can't watch the Smurfs. But, you know, certainly like they were on fire for Jesus. We'd have homeless people live with us sometimes. And so they were very, very giving. So we were at church a lot. I would say that just like many relationships and maybe a little more extreme than some, my parents did, um, they did argue quite a bit. They did, you know, God has not given us any lack of personality in my family. And so the two big personalities that they are sometimes conflicted and oftentimes conflicted. And so even though Jesus was certainly present in our home, there was a lot of volatility, I would say, just stress in our home as well. And so, you know, that kind of lent itself to having to lean on God at a young age. 
I certainly know that they needed to and, and they have. And for me, I remember being a little child and just sitting in my room alone and thinking, how can I help them? How can I keep them together? And I did feel the presence of the Holy Spirit with me at a young age, just this comfort, just this comfort feeling. I was very blessed for that. I got baptized when I was in fourth grade, and that was incredible, just feeling God's presence in that strong way and just that gift that God gives us. Um, But I would say that I certainly followed after people-pleasing, and I wanted everybody to like me, which, you know, in many ways has not changed, even when you get to be 40. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I really wanted people to like me. And so even though I was a leader and I was very involved in youth group and those kinds of things, um, I went to Christian schools. I, you know, when I went off to college, I just really started to chase popularity. I was in student senate. I was on television. And I had, you know, what I would look back and say was a quick slip at the, at the lot, at that point, it seemed like a slow slip away from church, away from God, because it was the first time I'd gone to a more, you know, liberal, secular environment coming out of this bubble, you know, even though my parents fought and ended up getting divorced, um, it was, you know, on the DL, so to speak. So walking out into this environment where I wasn't protected, um, where there was every opportunity made available to me, and where it was popular to do the wrong thing, you know, I, I got into partying extremely and, you know, just really got into a place of finding myself after two years in college saying, wow, I've worked for these great names already in TV, and wow, I'm popular and known, but I am so depressed. I'm going to slap a smile on when I go out there, you know, because I want everyone to see this picture-perfect person, and maybe I won't eat sometimes, too, so I look great, but inside, I was just, like, dying. I was dying, and I wanted to go back to church, but I felt embarrassed because in the the university I went to, there were only about 5,000 people there, and they all knew I partied, so I was afraid to show my face at this campus fellowship. So um, I would tell you that the biggest change for me happened when I worked with a girl named Rachel at ABC. I was probably, I was 20 and she kept inviting me to church, kept inviting me and I kept telling her no and she's Baptist. Um, So one day to get her off my back, I said, hey, if you go to my kegger party, I'll go to church with you. And I thought never in a million years would she do that. She didn't wear makeup, she didn't dye her hair and I'm all about glam. So she shows up, she shows up to my party because she cared that much about my soul. So I had to keep my end of the bargain and went to church with her and you know, as the Holy Spirit does, I mean, we can't change ourselves. We try, but we just don't have that, that superhero power on our own. The Holy Spirit just came in and kind of excavated. And there was lots of tears. There was lots of dealing with things I hadn't dealt with um, my whole life, really, just having suppressed it. And it was just amazing. So I started going to church. I was still in school, still working in TV, but I was kind of hiding from my party friends and ended up that a few friends that I had that I used to party with got in an accident and two of them died while, you know, after a party it slapped me awake. It made me realize that the joy that I have, the hope that I have that cleaned me out from depression, that I needed to share that with people because there's an urgency and life is short. You know, that was probably 20 years ago. I met my husband at campus uh, fellowship in college. He was the hot drummer, hot Armenian drummer, still is the hot Armenian drummer. And we've been married for quite a while. I went to work for a couple of secular junkets for TV for a while. And I just, after a while said, you know what, I'm sick of selling this product and that product. I want (laughs) to, excuse my, you know, metaphor. I want to sell Jesus. I want to tell people about Jesus. So I took a job at Lutheran Hour Ministries, quitting my secular job in radio because I just was like, I do not align spiritually with what is going on here. And I loved it. At Lutheran Hour, I I produced uh, media programs across the continental U.S., both events and media that shared Jesus and helped people learn to share Jesus. And it was incredible. 
it makes me think about training a child in the way he should go and when he's old he should not depart from it four things that we're raised with how they just are so integral into who we are as a person and especially the love of God when you've experienced that as a child that just draws you back to it mm-hmm. in those times of need, even though we stray. I just, I'm so thankful that God is always pursuing us and saying, come on, welcome home. The door is open. At moments when I would feel really dark, I remember having a moment where I was extremely depressed to the point of, you know, just, I don't even know what God saved me from it. So I don't have to think about it, but I just remember like feeling so depressed and like I couldn't go on because I felt like I was late, living as a phony And I just remember God putting a verse in my heart and just making me so competitive against the devil. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to let him win. I'm a competitive person by nature. And just those verses welling up in me and just drawing me back to the Psalms when I wasn't going to church, you know, I would turn on maybe Gruffalo Dollar on TV and that helps, you know, but um, you're exactly right. It's like, you know where to go home and home is in the word. I mean, that's our, our home. It's Jesus. It's Jesus available to us through the word. You had shared with me that while working at Lutheran Hour, that the concept for Rhino Hyde Productions came about in a pretty profound way, and at its core has a kingdom-oriented mission. I'm just wondering what the backstory is there. Yeah, so so when I worked at Lutheran Hour, I absolutely loved it. You know, it was it was awesome, and that's a great organization. And I loved what I was doing. I mean, you know, speaking, producing videos that talk about Jesus. And everything was about telling people to go out into the world and shine the light of Christ. There's different seasons in life. And there's seasons where God is placing you sometimes in a place to equip others and to train others. Sometimes that's insular, you know, where you're around Christians all the time. But sometimes there's a season where he's saying, you know what, I want to throw you back into this discomfort, back into something that maybe you didn't feel comfortable with before, that maybe you weren't prepared for before, but now you are. And what that was for me was getting out into the world and working in the world in media and marketing. And so maybe 10 years prior to, to this time when God started reaching out to me about Rhino Hyde, I wasn't ready to be in the secular media. But at this time he'd said, now I want to, I want to throw you back out into the world because I want you to actually go out and shine the light and everything you've told people, I want you to go do it. (laughs) And so um, while I was at Lutheran Hour, my brother, Jordan, who we're only a year and a half apart. We went to college together. We always did talent shows, Muni kids, all this stuff together. Um, when I was at Lutheran Hour, we brought him on as a 1099 director and actor. And so he actually did that with us for about eight years while he was living in New York um, and Chicago. And so God was speaking to both of us and just really revealing to us that he had something planned for us that he was going to show us. And it was like, it was like when you want to have a child and you just feel like God is willing in you to do something for his pleasure. And you're just, you're, sort of in this moaning phase of like, God, I know you're pushing me to do something, but like, what is it? What is it? And Jordan was having the same thing and Jordan, my brother, but I would go to my husband and say, babe, I think God's calling us to step out and start something on our own as a family. And he's like, I don't know, babe. (laughs) He was staying home with our kids who were one and three and a half or four. He's a Christian musician. So he stays home during the day, but then two or sometimes. So I was kind of the stable income. And he's like, I don't know. And so I'm thinking, God, you're calling us to do this, but you call me to submit as a wife. And if, if my husband's not feeling it, like, I don't know what to do. So I just prayed, God, if it's you, like show our spouses. And so one day I was sitting in church and it was just like instrumental music. And our pastor was just like, really just pray and ask God to reveal things to you. And so 
Um, I was praying, looking at the scripture, and it was just so clear to me that God was like, you know what you're supposed to do. I have been telling you, <laughs> I have been telling you for three or four years what you're supposed to do, and now is the time. And, and there were exact words that I wrote down that I, we've kept in history, but it's just sort of like he was leading me to know that it's not your flesh, it's not your pride, it's me. I am the one who's calling you to do this. And what he made it clear that he wanted us to do was to go out into the world for two reasons to start Rhino Hide. One was to be a light in this industry because this industry, being media and marketing and celebrity life, it needs Jesus. I don't think anybody would argue with that. And then the other aspect was that he really was pushing and putting in our hearts that he wanted our non-for-profit our ministries, the things that he's created and called people to do, he wanted them to have as much excellence in media and marketing as secular organizations do, because that is a platform to get his name out and to get God the glory. And so we have, by the grace of God, the experience from Jordan's background and my background to do that. And so that was what he was calling us to do. And, you know, just like God, he's so good. He brought five or six advisors that I really trust that said, you should do this. This is really what we feel God is calling you to do, supported by scripture. And you know, the Bible says that wisdom and a multitude of counselors and just people that we really respected and looked up to said, step out in faith. And they pointed us to the scriptures of God has given you the power to create wealth and things like that. And so we took a step in faith. And I, like I said, I loved working at Lutheran Hour and they've been so supportive. We continue to work with them as contractors for a couple of years and still do. Rhino Hyde has worked with them and just they're, they're my best friends. They're like family. So, um, yeah, it was really God pushing us to do it. And we are, you know, four or more years in and to see the things God has done, like the first month we got United Healthcare. Hello, that is not something you can do on your own. You know what I mean? Just crazy stuff. People called us out of nowhere and said, I just feel like I'm supposed to ask you to do a video. And this is before we told our parents we were starting Rhino Hyde. And, you know, so it was just stuff where God was like, this is me. And guess what? I'm not going to share the glory. So keep looking to me. That's kind of the birthing of Rhino Hide. How does that play out in the day-to-day of what you do? So in the day-to-day, you know, I think just like anything, or at least for an entrepreneurial spirit, which my brother and I certainly have, that first year is so exciting. I mean, the beginning of a chapter is sort of the best for an entrepreneur. You know, I've always been brought in to begin things that, yeah, as a pioneer that other people don't want to do or don't know how to do. And, and even, you know, in my previous positions, I did the same. So the first year was super exciting. You just see everything like so new. And the, the very first week we moved into our offices for Rhino Hyde was the week that some of the things, I won't get into specifics because I try to steer away from politics, but it was the week that a lot of drama and a lot of hurt happened in St. Louis. Something was declared in the news, uh, you know, from a jury and the jury and the courtroom was across the street from my new office. <laughs> so we had the, the National Guard at our door. Our windows were kind of boarded up and we're at a, we were at a fancy area of town as a creative agency just starting out. And what it did was it allowed us in this hot seat, in this hot time and moment in history to be a light for Christ and to love on people during that time. Some people running into the building, some people who had just come into the building and had weird interactions. So we were having opportunities to share Jesus really for the beginning. In the midst of that, you also meet people in the industry, people that we partner with and collaborate with who have been in this industry for 40 years, who are callous and hurt because you get hurt in business and you get hurt in ministry sometimes too, or just people. We got to know people that looked at us different and said, you guys are different. Why do you treat people with such respect? Are you sure you, you don't want, you know, you don't want to do this in business or you don't want to do that. You're sticking to integrity in this way. I don't see that. 
are you sure you're going to stay in business? <laughs> you know, things like that. And so we would have an opportunity to share with them why we're different. And, and so people started coming to us in the industry who aren't Christians and saying, you know, my, my son-in-law has secretly been an alcoholic and he drinks a whole bottle of gin a day. And my daughter had no idea. And he spent all their money. And can you pray for me? I don't know how to pray. We had somebody text me an hour before his mom died and say, I don't have a connection with God like I used to, but I know you do. Could you pray? And so I prayed and his mom did die. But then you get an opportunity to say, hey, it's really just talking. It's really just like you can pray just like I do because the power is not just in me. It's from the Holy Spirit that's available to all of us. So that was especially the first year. And as we've grown, you have more opportunities <laughs> to work on your humility and to work on sharing your faith in different ways because you are in a pressure cooker as you grow. You know, when they say growing pains, there is pain to growth. And it's not just the glamour that we show on our pictures, you know, on, on social media. You really have to like learn to have the, the love walk with each other because my brother and I, we have always been able to kind of control our circumstances, but as you grow, you cannot, you just cannot control everything. And you're that close with people that you've known forever because we had hired our friends and our families involved, our spouses are involved, and we had to learn to be um, walking in love. It's humbling when you work with your family because they know you so well. So our witness has looked different as we've grown. It's been like people watch you amidst pain. We had a family catastrophe really happen a year and a half in, and it's really Jordan's life to share, so I'm not going to share all that. We just had a couple of founding members in the hospital for a very long time as we had the biggest campaigns we've ever had. But at the same time, you're relying on that money from that campaign in order to pay hospital bills. And so, you know, we've just had to rely on God and people have watched us in those moments and said, oh my gosh, I, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. And so you get to witness in that way. So it's, it's been kind of amazing. And then you have other relationships where it's like, you're not supposed to share yet, or it's, it's going to be weird. You just got to plant seeds and those seeds may not come for a year and a half because you have to earn trust with people and not weird them out. Yeah. Break them out until it's time to break them out. <laughs> what I can imagine out of that is just living your life very authentically for who you are yeah. and making yourself available. It's not really pushing anything. It's just saying, here's who I am. Here's how I live my life. And those who are watching as they need it will seek that out. Then really there's the open door and opportunity to step into that because you've already built trust and credibility with somebody. It's not just a fly by night kind of thing. And it's like, it's also internal because, you know, you have people that as you grow that join you that are not, this is not a judgment. They don't, they're not in the same place in their journey as you are spiritually. Mm -hmm. And so when they see you pray before a huge meeting with the client that could make the company and you get that client and they know that you don't have, you don't have everything that some of the other agencies have. When they see that, they're like, oh my gosh, God totally answered that prayer we had. That was crazy. So some of it is internally too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, it, and those internal relationships, like you said, it's not like a flash in the pan. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering as you think about your early career in secular media and then your experiences at Lutheran Hour Ministry and now back into really a blend of both. Yeah. What did you learn while working at Lutheran Hour Ministry that really has shaped your culture at Rhino High? Oh gosh, that is so great. I think about this a lot because I majored in media. I majored in broadcasting. I did not take one business course ever 
Not ever, because Drake University, where I went, advertising and media are in one school, but advertising and media are not in the business school. They're in the journalism school. And so almost everything I learned in business, I learned at Lutheran Hour. I mean, everything that was worth noting in terms of integrity, you know, the way to make decisions with integrity. And honestly, a lot of it, if not much of it, was from my boss, Dave. I mean, Dave, Dave is somebody, you know, he's, he's actually a good friend of my dad's. I've known him for many, many years. He is somebody that has worked in the record industry. He worked for my dad at an ad agency downtown in St. Louis. He is somebody who is a really smart and wise businessman. And I had the opportunity of working for him for eight and a half years. And Dave taught me how to lay boundaries. One example is, and you've known me, Tina, for probably just as long. One example is I used to say something that I wanted to do. And then I'd ask a question, like basically ask for permission. And he taught me to give it as a statement so that people would respect my boundaries and to lead people into a call to action. That's not wishy-washy. Like, what do you want them to do? He also taught me like to communicate with my team in a way that they know what's going on and that you have a succession plan. He would say to me, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, do any of us know like what to do? We don't, you have to help us. And so almost everything I learned was from him. And it, it wasn't giving me everything I wanted. It was like teaching me where the boundaries were in business and where the opportunities were in business. And really how to love people genuinely and to serve people genuinely without being selfish. And the other thing he would tell you is that as an entrepreneurial person, I'm I'm sure you've taken the disc. Of course you have, you're a coach. Um, On disc, I'm high in dominance and I'm as high as you can be in influence, like at like 99. So, you know, he taught me that some of the things when it comes to stability and compliance matter, <laughs> like paperwork, like, you know, doing things in a process, systems. And he also taught me that you don't have to know how to do that all yourself, that you can partner up with other people who know how to do those things better and be a team. And you don't have to be defensive and act like you know everything. In fact, it's better to say what you don't know and to show them that honor of the fact that you need their help to be successful. So m- much of what I learned in business came from Lutheran Hour. I also hear an undertone of a culture of integrity, mm-hmm. of operating where you're honoring other people. It's not just about getting the sale, but it's really about honoring the other person. Can you think of ways that that has played out in Rhino Hyde, where maybe you look back and say, oh, look at those lessons I learned at Lutheran Hour? Yeah. Something that important that happened for us was a year and a half into owning our business, we actually had another Christian organization come to us that we've known for years, uh, CTA, Christian Tools of Affirmation. And they said, we love you guys. We'd love to partner up and become one corporation. And so we did join them in um, 2016 and we formed an organization called King and Cross Companies. So Rhino Hyde is part of a business corporation that is based in Christian integrity and in the word. And our core values here, we've learned, we've learned so much here in business. I mean, my business journey has just grown and grown by being here. And our core values are, the first one really is integrity and then humility and love and passion and fun and, you know, all these cool things. And so those are the core values that we strive to live by. For Rhino Hyde specifically, we strive for all those core values as well as tenacity, hard work and zaniness, those kinds of things. But I have really learned... I would say so, so, so much a crash course in business by working here, you know, with the people with CTA and watching how they do business with integrity. One example is, and some of this I just wouldn't know. I just, I just wouldn't know it's different than my game, which is media. Like we had a shoot 
we had a shoot where uh, it was for pools for a Christian business owner that has pools or creates pools. And one of our, our stylists, she brought her dog. We wanted a shot where there would be a dog jumping into the pool and she's just a lovely person. Well, the dog bit its lip and she noticed that later. And she asked um, me as a CEO or asked actually my brother, the creative director, do you guys have dog insurance or something like that? And I just thought, dog insurance. <laughs> like, I don't know, like dog insurance. Nobody's ever asked me that before. And I really was like scratching my brain. And then I'm thinking, and of course you don't have a dog sign a talent release. They can't sign, you know? So I just went to Pat, the chairman of our Rhino Hyde board, who's here at King and Cross. And I said, Pat, I don't know what to do. And he said, well, what's the right thing to do? And I said, I don't know. He said, well, you tell me. And I said, well, just to find a way to pay for it, the dog's vet bill, certainly. And he said, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so just the question of what's the right thing to do? What, what is the thing with integrity that you do when you're confused? Just asking that question. And sometimes you have to pray because it's not clear. They've really taught me so much, our board, about how to have integrity in business. And that is the same with, fortunately, Lutheran Hour. That was the same. What do you see in people's responses, particularly in a hard situation where you act in integrity that may not necessarily be in, I don't want to say your best interest, but really is in the best interest of the client. What do you see reflected to you when, when that happens? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the way I hear you, the way I take that question is what happens when you give, you give integrity and it's not reciprocated and you, you can feel used. You can feel taken advantage of your heart can become callous and I'm just a human. When I walked into Rhino Hyde, I would say, and this is not in my own doing, this is the Lord. I was tending to my spiritual faith and my faith walk in a really pruned in way because I, I got to be paid to read the Bible <laughs> for nine years, you know? And so when you walk into Rhino Hyde, you're working 70 hours a week because you're the owner or the CEO. You're not tending to your faith as much because you don't have as much time to do that. So you start with a great big heart and you start out with a client. So you've had a client for a number of years now. And you start with a great big heart and then there comes a point where you feel like maybe you overextended that heart or you, you broke a boundary somewhere and you just say as a human in the flesh, like that sucks. I'm sorry, excuse my French, but that sucks. Like I feel used. And at the end of the day, you think my kids, they're eating less because of that. And it hurts. It hurts, especially when there is something where you're taken advantage of. So I've struggled over that because I'm not the kind of person to go towards someone and to hurt them. It's not in my nature at all. When I compete, I'm competing with myself the last time I did something. So I would tend to get depressed and that's not healthy either. You know, you suppress that and you want to act happy and you get depressed and that's not healthy either. So I really had to go to God and go to to leadership, you know, my board members and ask them how to process some of those emotions because I don't want to act out. I don't want to act like the world, which is what you get tempted to do is to act like them. And, and I'm not saying them and us and all that kind of stuff, but it's like, I don't want to act in a way that God has called me to act better. So I've just had to realize that like one, don't stuff your emotions when the integrity is not reciprocated. Talk to somebody like I go to counseling. I, I mean, that stuff helps me. I get with a coach that stuff helps. I mean, you know, and you talk through those things. How do you process those? So it doesn't add up and become baggage. And how do you learn from that so that you can maybe do your contract differently the next time? Or maybe you charge up front instead of saying, good old, good old boy, you know, handshake or whatever the case may be. You learn from that. And I, I have to just remind myself that even though other agencies at some points 
would become litigious in the way that they act or just mean. I just trust God that if I invested in something in faith and he called me to do it and I felt led to do it and our agency felt led to do it, that he's going to bring that back to me that, you know, he always sees what you do when you're doing it right. And he takes care of us. And I don't need to worry about them. I never wish anybody harm. I wish they get Jesus. <laughs> what have you learned about God as you're journeying this business in your own life and how he's working through you to others? You think about like Kurt Warner, the football player or previous football player. I guess he's on TV and a coach now. And my husband would tell you, I just said that wrong because I don't follow football well. But, you know, Kurt Warner, like winning the Super Bowl for the Rams. And I'm, a, I'm from St. Louis. You think about he went up there and he said, he, he gave God the glory when he won the Super Bowl. Those are the kinds of witnesses, the, uh, testimonies that I want to have. I want the world to see me be like, woo, I'm awesome. And I'm going to give Jesus the glory. And that's always been my plan. <laughs> but I have learned that sometimes you get to a point where you're trying to share the glory with God. And he does not need to share his glory with anybody. And it's humbling because people can learn so much about God and so much from your witness through your pain. Sometimes God wants to be the champion in your situation. And that can be embarrassing because people can see your weakness. And that's not my plan. I just wanted to be the winning quarterback <laughs> of Rhino Hyde. So God, he sees the big picture. And sometimes, sometimes he allows you to walk through a valley because he is teaching you and he is training you and he is teaching others through you. And when you come out on top and when you come out of the valley and you get on the mountain, he's going to get the glory. Sorry. So I just went through like a really hard time last year just because I just want to be a good leader. And I, it was becoming clear to me where my feelings are as a leader. You know, when you grow fast, and I've been in this industry for almost 20 years, but I was young. When you grow fast, there comes a point where you learn your own failings. And God just whispered to me, and I, I know some people, some people hear from God in different ways, but God just whispered to me, I'm going to do a miracle. And my initial feeling was like, when did I get in a place where I have to be the person that needs a miracle? I've just always been like raised by coaches, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps or like have more faith. But God's just shown me that like, I can't even trust in my own faith to twist his arm. I have to trust in him and the character of God. I'm not going to be the champion unless he's doing it. And I'm not going to get like, we just got the biggest client we've ever had. They contacted me. I'm hustling my butt off all the time to do business. And I never even talked to them before. They contacted us. It's like, God's just like, I'm going to get all the glory, Sarah. And I want him to. And he just has to remind me sometimes that I'm getting off path. I thank you so much for sharing that. Because there is a humility to walking with God. And what I hear as a thread as you talk is a deep abiding relationship that you have with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And how that has shaped who you are. It shapes who your business is, that DNA that's in your business. And to be the same one who cries out when we're in the valley, the same one who thou gives the glory when we're on the mountain, mm -hmm. to the one who really is the holder of that glory. Just that faithfulness and testimony and how we live it out, that's, that's true in both places. And to be so aware of that, you influence your team and how they approach those kind of circumstances as well. I often think about sometimes we can lead as a Christian that, that that's what people see first 
or we lead with excellence in whatever we do, because at the core, it's God doing it all. It's not having to wear that as the badge on front. Does that make sense? Yeah. As I listen to you talk, that's the theme I hear come through. For those listening who are in business or whatever places they find themselves, to be able to lead with that strength of God in integrity and humility and also healthy accountability and healthy boundaries. We learn from circumstances, but we don't have to lash out and (laughs) be defensive about it, but learn from it. I love what you said about not just trusting God to do whatever God's going to do, but trusting God (laughs) and who he is, his integrity and character. If there's any theme I I would hope to impart, that's what I'm hearing. Oh, that, yeah, that is, that is awesome. I mean, as a leader, I think, you know, we live in a celebrity society. Unfortunately, there's a personality driven dynamic to everything that we do, especially in media and marketing. And I've certainly lived in that dynamic of personality driven. I have to admit that walking into such a high level of things, you think, man, this can be awesome. (laughs) I'm going to make it, you know, and God sees that. And when you get to a point of real leadership and real growth, you have such opportunity to feel like a loser. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes you just feel like a loser because the point, you know, you come to the point where I don't know if people are like this. Let's just give an example of like, um, wait, you get to a point where you're okay. Sometimes like, you know, when we're trying to be healthy and we're eating right and we're drinking, right. We're doing what we did 10 years ago, last decade that worked for us. We ate this, we drank that. I lost 10 pounds. That's great. So you're doing that now you're doing what you did 10 years ago, but you get on the scale and you gained 50 pounds. The formula doesn't work anymore. The formula doesn't work anymore, but you don't know where the breakdown happened. You know, you're like, how did I get to this place that I'm not pleased with? I did all the things that worked for me last season. And it just has taught me that I have to look at God every day. And I have to look at accountability, like you said, every day. And I have to get input every day because I'm in a new season. And you come to a point of how did I get here? How did I gain this? I don't understand. And honestly, a point of that was somewhere along the way, I believe that I let my brother down. You know, I let him down somewhere and he, he, he's an honest person. He can handle me saying that I just really had to come to a point of how did we get in this place where I, and I had to look back and I had to realize that the cheerleading, the influence, the, all that positivity that's worked for me is a personality driven dynamic on TV where you don't dig in deep with people, (laughs) um, that that doesn't work. That when there were difficult times or things we needed to process, I was not emotionally or available to him because I was just like, yeah, but this great thing's going to happen tomorrow. And I didn't deal with things as they needed to be dealt with. And I didn't acknowledge or validate things that he needed as a partner in business. And so God is so great. And he is so great for us to get past that. And it's just amazing how my dad said it best. When you break a, a pipe, when you break a pipe and you weld it back together, it's actually stronger than it was before. And so through the pain of seeing where I let him down and let people down along the way, God welding that relationship back and teaching me through that has actually made us stronger and ready for the next season. So in those moments of feeling like a loser, God shows you what he wants you to do in the next season, and then you're going to win for him, you know? It's not a parting of ways, but the blessing of God is confession Mm -hmm. and forgiveness and absolution and the reconciling of relationship that's stronger than it was before. Oh, yeah. You know, trust gets built in 
those incremental steps of how we how we treat each other. And I need to let my dominance take a back seat to this creative director who is really the main practitioner of everything that we do. I mean, he got here, you know, sweat with me, blood, sweat and tears through this. And so I have to learn that and anybody else that's a CEO, we have to learn that like we need to go to our leadership team, our partners, our co-founders, our team in general, because you trusted them for a reason to do this with you. And that means that you don't get your way sometimes. And it's not about getting your way. It's about doing the best for God and doing the best by your client. And so sometimes it means when your team says, you know what, that, that sucks. I don't think we should put that out there. You have to say, oh, my ego inflated or deflated, excuse me. But um, you're right, you're right. So yeah, we're stronger and um, that's the miracle really. Sarah, if you were giving a word of encouragement to someone who's feeling a nudge from God and maybe feeling timid to step towards that, what encouragement would you give them? I would just give them a quote that I heard, actually it was Joyce Meyer say, and she said, do it scared. <laughs> do it scared and just, you know, we all feel inadequate. And the reason is we are inadequate. We are inadequate apart from Christ, but we have Christ and we have the Holy Spirit with us. And so remember that you are as big as the God that is in you. And so no, you cannot do it on your own. That's a correct assessment. But with God, all things are possible. And so I would say if the Lord is birthing something in you and he will not let it go, if he's welling something up in you, you feel his will welling up in you and he won't let it go. It's, it's sort of like when you know you're supposed to have another child, you just feel like that picture is not complete. Your house is not full. I cannot move on because I do not have this other child. That's how I was. I could not focus on anything until I got my daughter, you know, and, and it wasn't just me. It was like, God put that in me. I was a selfish person on TV. I mean, you know, it was God put that in me. And you will not feel fulfilled. You will not feel fulfilled in your life and in your calling until you step out in faith. Now, I will say that um, don't do it with impulse. Get a multitude of counselors because being willy-nilly is not what the Bible calls us to do. It says, be wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. So I like to take what I call calculated risk. So it looks risky to other people, but if God's led me to do it and my multitude of counselors supports it and I'm being a wise steward of my finances, then I step out. And so when you step out, you're making an investment and there will be a reward. You may not see the reward. I'm not just going to say it's finances because it might be that you're impacting lives for eternity, which is bigger. <laughs> um, but there will be a reward when you choose to step out in faith and invest in what God is calling you to invest in. Also hear the provision that God made along the way, that it didn't happen alone. I mean, provision isn't just financial. How might you list the provision? Man, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, looking in the mirror, <laughs> I can tell I've aged, but that is okay because I have been given wisdom as I've aged. And, and so there is so much wisdom that has come with this. There's humility that's come with this, um, with this opportunity. There's a, a bigger story. You know what I mean? There's a bigger story of God working in something. And I would say that a lot of people that, even that I worked with at Lutheran Hour back in the day, they would say, Sarah loves hype. She loves a flash in the pan. Go get people to come in and receive Jesus. But, and they would say, we got to focus on the next step. And so what I've learned is how to focus on the next step, then the next step, then the next step. And I've learned tenacity and I've learned not to give up and to move on to the next chapter. That even though I prefer to be at the beginning of a chapter, God has called me to this huge chapter and he's going to give me what I need to do it. So provision, he's helped me have a deeper character, which unfortunately, unfortunately has come with being humbled. <laughs> 
Um, there is financial provision. I mean, God is amazing. You know, I will say the first year we were in business, we, we tithed 10% of what we wanted God to help us get. And we got that. We looked at our taxes. We were like, that's weird. That is just weird. He's provided the opportunity to mentor people that frankly, I look at and I'm like, how did I get in a place where they want to learn something from me? That's amazing. And so, you know, I think about one person, she's a big producer in LA now. And when I met her, she was a student that hadn't been anywhere but Iowa and Ohio. And I just think, oh my gosh, how amazing that I get to see her be on a big platform and God let me be a part of that. That is so crazy. Um, so yeah, he just provides relationships. He provides opportunities and platforms to share him. And at the end of the day, I mean, I hope that, I mean, I don't know exactly everything how heaven works because we'll find out in the blink of an eye, but I imagine hopefully there'll be more people in heaven because of what we're doing. And if you get to a place where you feel like there won't be and your witness has gone sour, you know, maybe take a step back and just ask God to help you get back to the calling and mission that he gave you in the first place when you started this. Coming back to that calling and mission, it's one that when we tend to that, because it's as much about the individual dynamic with God as it is about what he does through us and whatever vocation he calls us to. Yeah. So, absolutely. Sarah, thank you so much for being such a bright, shining light and, and discipling people in all kinds of ways. You know, you talked about what happens internally, how that grows within your organization and how it flows out. It's a ripple effect of how we end up treating other people along the way and the doors got opens up through that. Well, Tina, thank you so much. Um, you know, I just wanted to tell you when we met last time, you asked if I had anything for you to pray about and you prayed about something that was major to me and I saw an immediate breakthrough. I just thank you for coaching people, for imparting that wisdom that God has given you and being willing to step out in faith and do what you're doing because I know it's making an impact. Thanks so much. Sarah, if people wanted to find you, we'll, we'll list these in the post that goes, but for those who are listening, how can they find you? Yeah, so you guys can go to rhinohydeproductions.com, hide spelled with a Y. And I know that um, Tina is going to put, you can obviously put all of our social media platforms. We're on pretty much everything. If you, if you want to connect with me directly, you can email me, um, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at rhinohydeproductions.com. Again, Hyde spelled like Hyde Park. And I'd love to hear from you guys, hear what God's doing in your life, and see if you have any questions. And check them out. They do some really fun, creative, energized type of work. So <laughs> That's true. Thank you. And I love that a group of rhinos is called a crash. <laughs> right? I know. When they put me in a crash helmet, I'm like, okay, this is, this is taking a step of faith to mess up my hair for these pictures. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, Thanks so that. much, Sarah. Oh my goodness, that was so fun. Purely authentic is the way I think of Sarah. She brings her whole heart to her work, and I'm sure people can sense how much she cares. You can just tell how passionate she is, and I see a beautiful posture of humility developing in her leadership. She could have stayed in a comfortable place at Lutheran Hour Ministries. However, she said yes to God's prompting and re-entered the industry she had left years earlier, but this time with a ministry mindset. My conversation with Sarah caused me to think about the way God calls us to be His people in various situations, demonstrating God's values in the places that sometimes operate very differently. Each week, I pose a couple of questions prompted through these conversations, and I invite you to join me in the Faithful Innovation Lab 
a private Facebook group where we can discuss and explore the ways God is working in our lives. Here's the question prompted by my conversation with Sarah. Where may be God calling you to exercise a ministry mindset so that others have opportunities to see God's goodness? Hop on over to the Faithful Innovation page, ask to join the group, and jump into the conversation. We'd love to have you. Sarah mentioned that I'm a coach. I help people move the stirrings of God from ideas to action. So often an idea never gains adequate clarity or can literally get talked to death and never take shape. If you have an idea that may not be clear or you're not sure how to bring it to life or move it forward, visit my website, download the free ebook, and if you think it would be helpful, schedule a complimentary conversation. It's my gift to you. Everything we've mentioned in this episode can be found on the website, faithfulinnovation.com. Just enter Sarah in the search and it will come right up. And if you're enjoying these conversations, I'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. Now make it a great day and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now.